Welcome. Thank you so much uh, for joining us this morning on this very, very frigid uh, morning. I know it's cold out. I know it is. Um, and, uh, and normally when it is this cold out, I'm like, ah, oh, man, I really don't want to get out of bed. But I was really excited today because this is the first cold snap that we've had in 10 years where we don't have to unload a trailer to set up a church. And uh, I was like, you know, I'll take it today. I'll take it. And so we got to walk right in. So we are just, again, great grateful uh, for God's provision in our life and in the life of this church. Um, if you're in this room today, I want to say welcome. If you're joining us over on screen two this morning, I want to say welcome to you as well. And if you're joining us online, thank you so much uh, for being here as we dive back into uh, the book of Matthew. As we've been continually walking through this, it's, we've taken a long stretch in the book of Matthew. We're, we're, we're over a year in. We've taken some breaks along the way. But what we wanted to do is we wanted to go slowly through this so that we can take in everything that's going on. And, and this overarching theme of Matthew is that of the king and the kingdom. You see, in Matthews 1 through 4, we saw how Jesus is a king like none other. And then we saw how his kingdom is a kingdom like none other. And then we see how, how this kingdom is for all people in all places at all times that anybody can become part of this kingdom. And we've also seen how people have responded to the kingdom and its king. And, then, and in chapter 13, we've seen how this kingdom focus starts to come, it comes more, uh, more clearly into focus of what we see about the kingdom and the kingdom of heaven and that he's using parables all through chapter 13 to describe what the kingdom is like. And, and we've seen this, and, and this is this beautiful thing, and that, and that what we have to remember through all of this is that Jesus is a king, he has a kingdom, and the king is exceedingly good. He is very good. He is holy, meaning that he is set apart. There is none like him. He rules and he reigns in a way that justice and mercy and godliness and holiness and kindness and love all mash together into this beautiful thing called the kingdom of heaven that's reflective of the king. And if we want to be a part of this kingdom, that, that it's available for all people, but we have to understand this, and this is the big idea for today is this, to be welcomed into the kingdom, you must belong to the king. To be welcomed into the kingdom, you must belong to the king. Now, we, we talk a lot about kings and kingdoms, and, and I don't know about you, but I was born in the United States. Um, some of you might know it as America, right? So, like, I was born in the U.S., and so the idea of a, a, of a kingdom and a king is literally foreign, okay? Like, like it, it doesn't, like, so often we see about kings and allegiances and, and kingdoms, and we go, yeah, but we live in this very unique spot in the world that, that we, as we look through these things. But, but one of the things that I was thinking about is one of the things that I did growing up, and maybe you did sometimes, we did it sometimes, not all the time, but we would say the Pledge of Allegiance, Okay, so so in school we would we would say the pledge of allegiance. Maybe before a sporting event, if we didn't have the national anthem, we would stand up and we would say the pledge of allegiance. And it was this really interesting thing that I was like literally pledging my allegiance. I was making an oath that that I was to uh, recognize that I was aligning myself and giving my life to uh, you know this this allegiance to this country for liberty and justice for all. That's that's part of the, the allegiance, right? And so we we would say these things. 
And, and when we come, when, when people become citizens of this, uh, of this uh, country, they would give this, you know, we take an oath. You, you, you say that I'm going to pledge my allegiance to this country. And so serious is an allegiance that to, to undermine the allegiance, to, to try to overthrow uh, the ruling uh, authorities, the governing authorities, uh, there's something that's called treason, okay? Treason is, the, is the, the offense to overthrow one's government or to harm or kill its sovereign, um, a violation of allegiance to one's sovereign or one state. So if you're trying to undermine and you're trying to overthrow the government, that's called treason, okay? And treason is punishment by death. Okay. It's punishable by death. To this day, if someone commits treason, it's punishable by death because you're trying to set up your own kingdom, overthrow the, the, the ruling and governing authorities and set up your own kingdom in place. And, and it is such a violation of the rules and norms and regulations and laws that it is treasonous. And sin when we think about sin, listen, sin is not a mistake. Sin is an, a willful act to try to overthrow the kingdom of heaven, okay? Every time that we sin, every time that we, we do this, we're saying, God, you don't do it the way that I want you to do it. You're not going to do it the way that I think you should, so I'm going to try to overthrow your rule and reign, okay? That's what sin is. It's an act of rebellion. It's an open act of treason, and so when we commit cosmic treason against the king of heaven, the, 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 the consequences of that is death. It brings death. The wages of sin is death. Because so often we do this. We'll ask, or we'll say this. Well, if I was God, right? If I was God, I would do it different. If I was God, if I was the God of the universe, I would do this X, Y, and Z, right? We would say that. Listen, if you were God or if I were God, here's the reality. We would ruin everything. We would ruin absolutely everything because we don't know what God knows. We're not nearly as good as God is, right? And so we would, ru we would ruin everything. In fact, history has shown this when, when people try to say that, that mankind is the highest authority in the world and we put a leader in place, that goes terribly, terribly wrong. Atrocities on the tens of not hundreds of millions of deaths because people say we are the highest authority, not God. And so we get things and we get leaders like Stalin and Pol Pot and Mao. People, say, people will say this, that they say like, well, religion is the cause of most of the wars and killings in the world. That's simply not true. Actually, godlessness has accounted for more deaths by tenfold than any religious war. When we say that mankind is the highest authority, people die by the millions. And so we see this kingdom of heaven. We see this kingdom of mankind. We see this kingdom of light. We see this kingdom of darkness. And we go, okay, but if I've already committed treason, then what hope is there for me? Like, what hope do I have if I already deserve the death penalty? And we all do. What hope do we have? The hope that we have is Jesus, because Jesus is the king, and not only did he come to this earth, he did so in a way that he lived completely sinless. He, he lived a life that was completely in accordance with the will of his father and the kingdom of heaven. And, and Jesus lived this life perfectly, and then he did something truly remarkable. He went to the cross 
Not because he was guilty, not because he had done anything wrong. He went to the cross to give his life as payment for you and for me. That's amazing. That's incredible. And that's 100% true. That Jesus, the reason why he went to the cross was to pay for your and my sin. Now, this is the beautiful thing that Jesus, he is fully man, which means he's the perfect substitute for a human being. He's completely human. But he's also fully God. He's both in the same person. He's fully man, fully God. And because he's fully God, his worth can cover your life and my life and the lives of millions upon billions of people around the world throughout of history because Jesus' worth is so much that he can actually pay for all of our debts and all of our crimes. It's this beautiful thing. And what, what happens in response to that? Like, he gives his life for us, so what do we, what do, we do? Well, we, we surrender our rebellion against God. We say, God, have mercy on me, please. And we, we admit our crimes. We surrender our fight against God. And then we start to follow him. We give our allegiance to him. And we, in, in turn, will receive eternal life. Now, for some of us in here, that, that's, that's great news, right? You're really excited about the fact that that is true. Some of people in here, though, are really bristling at that. Maybe you're watching this online. You're really just bristling at that. You're like, ooh, that means that, that I'm not my own leader. That means that, that I have to pledge allegiance to Jesus? I have to submit my life? I have to give up my preferences? I have, to, I have to surrender and say, Jesus, you know better than me when it comes to all areas of my life, all areas of my life? I don't know if I want to do that. Some of us bristle against that saying, well, you can't tell me what to do. And some people would say, I don't even believe that Jesus exists. I don't believe that the kingdom of heaven is there. And so I will continue to set up what I want And if you notice both of those things, whether it's like, I don't like what you have for me, Jesus, or I just don't want to, or I'm going to set up. It's about setting up your own kingdom. And setting up our own kingdom is treason. And so we have to determine where, where, where does our allegiance lie? Where does our allegiance lie? Where are we going to give our life to? Where are we going to submit our lives to? Is it going to be to ourselves or is it going to be submitting to Jesus? And that's where we're going to pick it up today. We're going to be in Matthew 13, starting in verse 47. This is the last of the parables in 13 that we see um, as we walk through this. Verses 47 and through 50. He's talking about this reality. Jesus is speaking. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is, is speaking in a parable again, and we see this, and he's done this before. And a parable is a story with a spiritual meaning, but the, the spiritual lesson in it um, isn't always obvious 
It's somewhat hidden. It's somewhat uh, mysterious. It needs, oftentimes it needs explanation. And what's great about this parable is that the, the parable itself and the explanation are right next to each other. It says, it says like, just like the day of harvest, like we talked about with the parable of the wheat, um, this is also too, like there's coming a day when things will be gathered in. Okay, we are approaching the day of which things will be gathered in. And, and it says that there'll be a gathering in of people from all places. It says the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was cast out and, and brought in fish of all kinds. It says it brought in fish of all kinds. And, and the fish are people. And what I think is really interesting is that there's fish of all kinds and within the fish of all kinds, there's good fish and there's bad fish. It wasn't a good kind of fish and a bad kind of fish. There was good and bad within each kind. And the reason why that is so powerful is because we see at the end of the Bible where there's this kingdom of heaven set up and it says that there's people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. It's an incredible realization that in the kingdom of heaven, there will be people from Africa and there'll be African-Americans as well. And there'll be Asians and Middle Easterners and tribal people and European and Scandinavian and North American and Australian. We're going to have all these different kinds of people. That's what it said in the parable of the wheat, right? That there's good seed throughout the world. Listen, the kingdom of heaven is bigger than the American dream. The kingdom of heaven is bigger than the American dream. And anytime a kingdom sets itself up where we're like, you know what, we want, we want people to be able to come in, we want people to be able to thrive and grow, what we're doing is we're trying to mimic the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is where there's thriving and goodness and mercy and beauty throughout all of it, and every tribe, tongue, and nation will be there, will be present, our brothers and our sisters, and it says that this gathering in and, and, and it will take out the good fish. The, you know, it says they take out the good fish and they'll put them in a container and the bad fish gets thrown out. And it says, so it is like at the end of the age, the angels will come and separate the righteous from the wicked. The righteous from the wicked. It's really interesting because what makes a person Righteous. What makes somebody righteous? Because often this is where our mind goes. Oh, they did good things. Right? Like someone is righteous because they did good things. A righteous person. Or even you may be thinking about the idea of like someone who's self-righteous, right? They're really fun to be around, aren't they? Just a treat. Someone who is righteous in the kingdom is not someone who lived a life perfect, save Jesus. The kingdom is made up of human beings who are made right by Jesus. We become righteous by faith in Christ. That's how we become righteous. Not because we do great things, not because like people are like, oh, I, you know, like, listen, Saving people, good thing. Helping people, great thing. Walking with orphans and widows, great thing. Giving of your time, talent, treasure, great thing. That does not mean that you will get into the kingdom of heaven. If you want to be welcomed into the kingdom of heaven, you got to belong to the king. And we belong to the king by saying, Jesus, would you, 
Would you walk with me? Would you, I'm giving my life, I'm surrendering my life to you. The righteous are not those who have lived perfectly, but those who have surrendered to Jesus and received his mercy. And it says the, 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 the wicked are those who continually try to set up their own kingdom. And in the last days, they're gonna be thrown out and there's gonna be a furnace that's fiery. And in that place, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping that there, there was a mist, that they missed it. A grinding of their teeth in agony. Because they realize in that moment that all the work they put in to set up their own kingdom came to nothing. It came to ruin. And every day is one day closer to the gathering in. Every day is one day closer. We don't know the day and the hour, but we do know that we're one day closer to when this is happening. And the reality is, is that those of us who, who, if you're in here and you're like, I'm setting up my own kingdom, you're running out of time. You're running out of time to surrender. So please surrender to Christ today. Jesus tells this very sobering parable and then he goes on into uh, verse 51 and says this. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a house who brings out the treasures, what is new and what is old. Jesus has just used seven parables in Matthew 13. He's just said seven parables. And each parable kind of gives us a different uh, aspect, a different nuance, a different angle at what the kingdom of heaven is, a fuller picture. He uses seven different parables to do it. He talked about, and not only the kingdom of heaven, but the realities of this world. So it's, it's what's happening. So the first one is the parable of the soils, right? We had the four soils. And then it went to uh, the parable of the good wheat in the middle of weeds. And then it was the parable of the mustard seed starting small. And then it was the parable of the leaven that started from within. And then it was the treasure in a field. And then it was a pearl of great price. And now the ingathering of fish of all kinds. And he says, do you understand these things? I love it that Jesus asked if we would understand them. Because when they didn't understand them, they would ask him and he would take time to explain it. I think that's just really kind of our king, that he would take the time to do that. He says, do you understand these things? And his disciples said, yes. Here's the thing about the disciples. They're people. And sometimes people can be very people-y, okay? Like, you ever had a person be kind of people-y on you? You're like, (laughs) I believe in the South, they say, bless your heart, I believe is how... They say that, um, right? And so people can be kind of people. And so what we're going to see throughout the rest of the book of Matthew is that the disciples have these moments of immaturity. They fight over who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. They even two brothers go up and like have their mom ask Jesus if they could sit in his right and his left hand. 
And they, they fight and they squabble and they, they don't get it and they, they miss the time, they miss the picture, they miss all of these things. And so you, you look at this moment and they're like, do you understand this? And they're like, yeah, we get it. And then they f- do really foolish things sometimes. But here's the amazing thing is that they were growing and they were learning and they were being developed and they fell on their face and they embarrassed themselves and they did all these things, but Jesus was merciful with them, continually walking with them and helping them grow. And what they knew in this moment, they knew, they knew things accurately, but they didn't know it exhaustively. Does that make sense? So what they knew was true. They just didn't know everything there was to know. And that's true with all of us. That, that, that we don't know everything about everything, but what we do want to know, we want to know it's true. And here's why that's so important. Because so often we, we talk to people about making disciples or sharing your faith, and nine times out of ten people will tell me, I don't know enough. I don't know enough. Well, when is enough? Is it always a little bit more? Like, don't let the lack of knowledge keep you from sharing what you do know. You might not have the answer to all of life's questions, 42. You might not, some of you got that. You might not have the answer to this troubling situation or this, but that's okay. You can continually learn and grow in that. But what you do know is true, so share that. Share what you know. Don't let your lack of knowledge keep you from sharing what you do know. Some of you are like, I gave my life to Jesus today, and I knew that I was a wreck, and I said, Jesus, please forgive me, and for some reason, I know he did, and he can do that for anybody. Is that all you know? Yep. Go tell that to other people. Go tell that to other people. Don't let your lack of knowledge keep you from sharing what you do know. In 2021, a couple weeks ago, we had our annual meeting and and we set out a goal for 2021. And the goal is this, that everybody who considers Ignite their church home, whether you're a member or you're a regular, you say, hey, where do you go to church? And your answer is Ignite. That's your church home. Okay, so any, anybody who considers Ignite their church home, our goal is that each and every one of us would share the gospel of Jesus with someone else this year. Okay, that's, that's a lot of people sharing their faith. And if you're like, oh yeah, Ignite's my home, great, you're part of this goal, and we can't achieve this goal without you. So if you're like, oh, but I don't know enough. Don't let your lack of knowledge keep you from sharing what you know is true with other people. You're like, well, what's the gospel of Jesus Christ? Jesus is God in the flesh. He came to this earth. He lived a life perfect. He died on a cross and he rose from the dead showing that he's eternal and he made good on all of his claims. And he gives eternal life to all who have put their trust in him. Eternal life free from sin. That's the gospel. Jesus is God in the flesh, came to this earth, lived a life, died on a cross, rose from the dead. You can be part of his family if you put your trust in him. That's the gospel. You got to share that with somebody. You're like, I don't know who. I would say pray 
and see what God does. You'd be amazed. Pray that God would open that door. So this year, all of us who call Ignite Our Church Home, we wanna share the good news of Jesus. He says, have you understood these things? He said, yeah, we understood him. He said, great, you're being trained up. You're being trained up. And, and when you're trained up, when you're a scribe trained in the kingdom, it's like the master of a house that brings out the treasures new and old. It's this beautiful joy and our opportunity. He says, every time that we share the good news, every time we bring forth these things, every time we open our Bibles and share it with someone else, we're like the master of a house that brings out treasures new and old. You ever been in someone's house that has lots of really cool things and they just let you experience them, whether it be good food or antiques or art or music or whatever it is, and you just like are able to be a part of that and really be impacted by that? It says every time that we open up our Bibles, every time we share it, we're like the master of a house bringing out treasures new and old. One of the great joys of my life is preaching. I love to preach. I enjoy it. I feel alive when I'm up here. I have better conversations. I feel actually, I feel more comfortable in this spot than usually one-on-one. People are like, if you meet me one-on-one, you're like, he's nice, a little off, right? (laughs) Just a little off. And if, I don't know what it is, but everybody named Steve I know is just a little off. (laughs) You think through it, you're like, that's true. Hmm. My probation officer's name's Steve. It's just a little, right? So I love to preach, but the reason why I love to preach is I love to be able to share with you these truths. And so if you ever come up to me and say, hey, Steve, that was a good sermon. I really appreciate it. I, I find those things encouraging when people say, hey, that was a good sermon. But I will let you know this, that I have really good source material. <laughs> like we just open up the Bible. That's what we do. We open up the Bible, we show you what's in it, and it's like bringing out new treasures. It's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so if you say, Steve, that was a good sermon, often I'll say something like this, I'm just really happy that God allowed me to be a part of making an impact in your life. That God would allow me to do that. It's so cool to be able to open up the Bible, share with you the words of it, go like this, and people like are impacted and changed and transformed. Not because I'm convincing, not because I'm articulate, not because of any of those things, but because this is the power of God in these words, shaping your heart and your mind. And there's certain things that are new and old, right? So there's things out of the New Testament. There's things out of the Old Testament. Old Testament points to Jesus. New Testament reflects back on Jesus, right? So we have like this, these two new and old treasures. Also, we have treasures that are, are new to us, maybe something that we've just learned. And you're like, oh, I want to share this with somebody. Did you know this? And it just blew your mind. And there's also treasures that you have had in your heart buried deep for years and it has shaped your life. And when you get to share that with other people, it's amazing. My life verse is Romans 8.1. I've carried that around with me for a long time. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation who therefore who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That verse has literally saved my life. When I thought my life was over and ended because I had train wrecked it, and I wanted to end it. He said, there is therefore now no condemnation. I'm not under condemnation. 
wonder grace saved my life. Maybe it saved yours today too. Is it because I'm great? No, it's because the truth of the scriptures are a treasure and it'll shape your life and it'll shape the lives of the people around you if you will share it with them. How can they believe if they've not heard? How can they hear unless someone is sent? And it is our joy. Yes, are there hard truths? Yes. Are there difficult things? Yes. In the scriptures, there are things that challenge us. Are they difficult to share with people? Sometimes. Do sometimes people get angry? Sometimes. But we get to continually share this with people. And often what we find is the most difficult things for us to share are the things that exactly that person needed to hear. And so as we share, know that, know that you don't have to come up with anything witty or clever. Know that you don't have to like come up with anything. You can just open the Bible and go, here, let me just share with you this and let me explain it a little bit. Let me talk to you how this all plays itself out. And what happens is people's lives get changed. And people will give their lives to Jesus. It's, it's amazing. And their eternity is secure in Christ. They know where they're going. They know what to live for here on earth. They know how to rearrange and reorient their lives. So we all are learning this together, but we have the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the people of God to help us along the way. That we get adopted into a family, that, that the people sitting next to you suddenly become brothers and sisters. Not just randoms. And they get to be a part of this. But only if we're in the kingdom. And to be welcomed into the kingdom, you must belong to the king. And how do we belong to the king? How does one become a part of this kingdom and belong to Jesus? I'm just going to walk you through four basic things. Number one, you come to grips with the reality that I'm not a God. And you're like, okay, I'm not God. You need to come to grips with that. That you and I are not the most important entities in the universe. That when we hold up light bulbs, we don't just wait for the world to revolve around us, right? We actually have to turn it in ourselves. That this world isn't about you and that your life isn't about you. And your life, my life isn't about me. It's a hard thing to come to grips with, but it's a good thing to know. Because when we understand that it's not about me, then we ask the question, well, who is it about? We understand this about Jesus and making much of him in our life and to those around us. And so, number one, we come to grips with the reality that I'm not a God. Number two, we confess our crimes against God. When we realize that we're not God, we realize that we've been setting up our own kingdom and we've been committing treason. We've been trying to undermine it. We've been trying to hold a coup in this world 
by setting, trying to set up our own kingdom. And so we have to confess to Jesus that that's what we're doing. And that's what we have been doing, okay? Fun fact, he already knows, okay? The big thing is you have to admit that yourself and say, you know what, Jesus, I'm not God, you are. And I've been actively at work at trying to overthrow your kingdom through my sin. We have to admit that. We have to confess our crimes against God. Number three, at that point, we surrender to Jesus and pledge him our allegiance. We say, Jesus, I have done these things. Please have mercy on me. I'm surrendering. I'm asking for your grace. I'm asking for your mercy. I'm asking for you to make me right again, make me righteous in right standing with you. I'm asking for you to save me from my rebellion and my wickedness. And I want to surrender my life and I want to give you my life and I want to live my life for you. That's why we say Jesus is both our Lord and Savior. Okay? You might hear that at a sporting event or when people win an, an award. Want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, right? It goes really, really quick. Those are really, really impactful words. Lord, your allegiance belongs to him. Savior, he's the one that saved you. Surrender, your, surrender to Jesus and pledge him your allegiance. And finally, share your story and Jesus's gospel with others. How does one become part of the kingdom? The first three. Admit we're not God. Admit that we have crimes against God. Ask for his mercy, surrender, and pledge your allegiance to him. And then from there, he tells us to go and share our story as well as the good news of Jesus with other people. It's almost like Jesus wants us to impact the world after we've had an encounter with him. It's funny how that works. The mission statement of Ignite is not just some pithy statement that we like to yell. It's rooted in scripture. That once you have an encounter with God, we're to go out and to share this with other people. We are to go out and share the treasures new and old. Because once we've had an encounter with him, we need to go out, make an impact in the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. And God, today I pray that you would make us humble, that we would understand in this moment that we are not God. That, that God, I pray that if there are those who are in here today or in screen two or online who have been listening to this, Lord, that even if it's in a car or wherever it is where they find themselves listening to this, that, that, that they would stop where they're at, understand that they need to humble themselves, and then ask for your mercy and ask and, and give their lives to you. And what I love is the promise that says that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and you will cleanse us of our sins and forgive us of all unrighteousness, all of it. So God, I pray that those who need to do that would do so right now. And God, I pray that we can move forward confident in the truth that you love us that there is a time coming when you will establish this kingdom on earth and those who will be welcomed into the kingdom will be those who belong to the king. And Lord, I, want to pr I pray that 
My desire is that everyone would belong to you. And so let us share this message with as many people as we can with as much time as we have on this planet. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.